Well, greetings, greetings and welcome. Welcome to the Guardian podcast with Ren Melberg. My name is Harold Nickel. And before we get to the interview segment this week, we'll do a little bit of news from the world of Agile. First, from the world of banking, Barclays banks on Agile and DevOps to tackle competitive threats in fintech. Banking giant Barclays has opened up about the challenges and successes it's had during its 18-month push to adopt Agile working practices in all areas of its businesses. Speaking at the Enterprise DevOps Summit in London, Jonathan Smart, who's the head of development services at Barclays, said Agile processes and thinking are being incorporated into all areas of its business, not just IT. We are not doing Agile for Agile's sake. We are pursuing a strategy for the whole business to exhibit agility. When I say the whole business, I mean HR, auditing, security, compliance, the investment bank, the retail bank, everything, he said. So this is a good article on how a very large financial organization has embarked on an agile path. And there's a link to that article, which is from Computer Weekly on Ren's website. Incorporating security best practices into Agile teams. Every day it seems like we read another headline about a large data breach affecting major organizations and the many people they serve. As a result of these breaches, websites such as HaveIBeenOwned.com provide searchable information on many of the Internet's largest breaches. When a big data breach happens, organizations suffer great losses both financially and in terms of reputation. In spite of the known risks of security breaches, the current standard for security across the computer industry is suboptimal, according to this article in ThoughtWorks. In particular, during the process of upgrading or delivering new technology feature, teams often do a lot of planning and analysis before development and after a feature is delivered. In some cases, penetration testers check for vulnerabilities during the process, but it's less common for security processes to be in place throughout the actual development process. And there's a link to this as well. But this is a topic that Ren has talked a good bit about as far as having um, your security be a part of development. And she's described a game she calls ping pong, where developers and uh, potential breaker-inners, I guess, hackers, uh, try to crack your code. And um, you can read about that on her website. Finally, and this goes right into the topic of our interview today, Agile versus DevOps, 10 ways they're different. This is an article from Information Week, and it lists 10 ways DevOps and Agile are different. And he does a good job of describing them in this article. I won't spoil it for you. You can read it from Information Week with a link from renmelberg.com. Okay, that's it for news from the world of Agile this week. Coming up in our interview segment, Ren will be talking with guest Ross Clanton on DevOps. Thanks for tuning in to the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. Well, this week on the Guardian podcast with Ren Melberg, we are sadly without Ren Melberg. Ren has the flu, and 
she was originally going to be speaking to our guest, Mr. Ross Clanton, but Ren get well soon. And Ross, welcome to the podcast. And um, I'm afraid you'll just have to make do with me this week. <laughs> no worries. Okay. Well, let's start at the beginning, Ross. Um, we're going to be chatting about DevOps, but before we dive into that too deeply, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, so I've been in IT for my whole career, a lot of different roles, mostly infrastructure-oriented roles, but have been enterprise architecture, security, through various different parts of the IT organization. And I've probably about four years ago started to see some of the dysfunction in IT and the way that, that companies have, have been doing IT for the last 10 years or so. And it kind of brought me to to DevOps when I started to do my own research and figure out why are things going the way that they are. And uh, since then, I've been a pretty active um, member of the DevOps community. I've been uh, previously, I'd, I'd been driving DevOps transformation at Target. I've been, uh, I've got my own podcast to talk about DevOps and the enterprise. And through that, I, I've gotten really passionate about, about, you know, what is DevOps and how, how do you actually apply it to do technology more effectively in a, in a, in a corporate IT setting. And I'm actually between jobs right now. So I've been, I've had a few weeks of downtime to mm-hmm. uh, get my house ready and get ready to move. I'm actually moving out to, to New Jersey to, to do DevOps transformation elsewhere, but it's kind of, fun to uh, get my my head back into work mode here. I've had probably three weeks of of no work mode where I've been more focused on health stuff. Oh, man. Another week or so, and you'd have to be retrained, I'm afraid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's let's talk about your podcast, if we could, just for a minute. Um, Tell us about it and why and how you got started podcasting. Yeah, so... my partner, Michael Ducey, and I, he, it was actually his idea. He's a, a leader at, at Chef, which is a technology company. And at the time, he was, I think, like a global evangelist or something, a DevOps evangelist. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to, he spent a lot of time working with enterprises. And I was obviously a leader in an enterprise that was really going aggressively after this. And the form, he wanted to start a podcast with a format focused on DevOps in the enterprise and specifically not like the web 2.0 technology startup type companies, but a traditional corporate enterprise with an IT function that's been around a while that has built up legacy and how are they transforming and how are they applying DevOps. And uh, he wanted his partner to be not another uh technology vendor person, but someone that actually worked in an enterprise setting. And so he asked me to do it. I was pretty excited about it. My personal passion on it is I've, having lived through uh, the, what happens when when technology delivery is not very effective, I had gained a lot of passion, as I kind of said in the intro, around DevOps. And I've learned that the the challenge in corporate IT in in terms of building momentum and, and getting teams to pivot to 
DevOps practices is a very difficult one. And so the idea of, of starting a podcast to bring people together and tell those stories and bring in other companies that are going through this transformation and have them talk about their challenges, their learnings, their successes felt really relevant. It felt like a really good niche to go after. And it was fun. It was something that you and I both had a lot of passion on. So we've been doing that for about a year now, a little over a year. Uh, and our and our target is we we basically bring in uh, people from those large companies to come in and, and tell their transformation stories. Do you find that their uh, people from the bigger companies are they able to uh, to be on the air and talk to you as a representative of their companies, or do you get a lot of resistance to people coming on and and talking in real time? Everyone wants to. Uh, I think the I think the the reality is with corporate uh, with larger companies, you tend to have different hurdles to to in terms of being public and talking about what you're doing. I think one thing that's really powerful about the DevOps movement is it's at its core, it's really about community and and the the people that are practicing this and that are really passionate about it want to share and help each other mm-hmm. and that that's been a personally fulfilling thing for for me being part of this community is I've, I've made a lot of really amazing relationships with people at other large companies that are in roles like mine and they want they want to talk about it we do run into hurdles you know whether it's legal or public relations or whatnot you know various companies have different kind of rules that you have to work through. Mm-hmm. What I will say that's been kind of exciting is the, and I, I, there's a kind of a parallel with this DevOps movement. I think as, as people are getting more focused on transforming how they do technology and really getting out there and being active, and, and this is, what, you know, even getting into DevOps and Agile, which I'm sure we'll get into, mm-hmm. so much of it's centered around community and sharing and learning as they start to recognize that and they, they see the benefits of that in terms of, you know, uh, recruiting talent, attracting talent, building a brand around what their company does, you start to be able to break down those hurdles. And that, that's been fun when we've been able to see companies that have traditionally never been able to get approval to go and talk about what they're doing, actually getting out and starting to talk about this stuff. Oh, that's cool. That um, I'm uh, used to do public relations work and always had trouble getting people to to go on either on camera or uh, in front of a microphone. So good for you. And you had said um, you described DevOps as a community. Is is that what DevOps means to you and uh, your involvement? It's um, a community of like-minded people. Yeah, you know, it, at its core, um, to me. So to me, there's a lot of definitions of DevOps. And, you know, when early in, in kind of my involvement in it, I, I was probably a little bit more hardline on my views on what it was. And I've, al- I've always believed that it's, it's essentially culture and practices together. It's kind of the, the, the combination of, of, you know, a culture that's optimized for doing technology differently and modern engineering practices that are far more integrated across functions mm-hmm. and um, that's always been my beliefs and I, and but there are a lot of definitions people talk about it being 
you know, groups and teams and roles and tools and all these different things. And I, and I do know early on myself and even, even the team I led at that time, we were, we were, you know, pretty almost to the point where I feel like we'd kind of turn our nose up at those other definitions and be like, well, that's not DevOps. If you say that's DevOps and you obviously don't know what it is. And the, the reality though is that as I've been going at this longer and as I've been working with others that are trying to transform as well, I'm kind of okay with wherever anyone's starting at, as long as they're having that conversation. And if they're, if the conversation starts with, we've got a DevOps team that's going to do all these things kind of differently and build quality into how they do delivery and automate everything. And they're going to bring these siloed functions together, or they're going to attempt to, and they're going to build some practices or whatever. Great. You're starting. And as long as you're starting on something, you're going to evolve. You're going to improve it over time. And to me, that's a more important thing is like getting people comfortable with the fact that change is, is becoming more inevitable and happening with more frequency than it's ever happened before. And this, this is, I think, core to both agile, DevOps, et cetera. I think it's more important that people are starting to talk about doing something differently and they're okay experimenting with something, whether it's a team or whatever. Mm-hmm as long as they're willing to adapt and continue to kind of experiment and evolve what they're doing based on what they learn. Right. And I know that from talking with Rin that the agile community has been having a lot of conversations about DevOps and, and trying to define it. There's advocates for DevOps as a team or for DevOps as a set of development team practices and DevOps as a culture, there there may be even more variations to those themes. But what do you think about about these different debates? Do you have a a perspective or a opinion on it? Is it useful or a fruitful debate to even have? Well, I think I think the good thing is that people are having a debate. Um, and like I said earlier, I think the the fact that people are starting and they're experimenting with something and they're having that debate is in and of itself. That's a really, really good thing. Mm-hmm. My core views still are that, you know, it's culture and practices. I, I think the the best definition of DevOps that I've seen was actually from uh, Adam Jacob, who's uh, the founder of Chef. And he, it was probably the simplest definition I've seen. And, and it, all it said was, DevOps is a professional and cultural movement. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really broad. Yeah, it's really broad and you can read into that and what does it apply to? But at its core, it's, it's largely about that. It's getting people to kind of break out of, of the predefined way that they've, they've been trained. They've, they've been successful. They've been rewarded for doing IT for a really long time and get them to start working across silos to do technology differently and the foundation to doing any of that is a cultural foundation mm-hmm. the reality though and where i think the practices part is really important is the secret sauce of devops is you know you, you know it's largely it's largely correlated with like continuous integration continuous delivery so thinking about automating your entire delivery process or your delivery pipeline mm-hmm building measurements around that and that that's 
technology practice. That's new practices and that's teams that are accountable for products learning how to do their technology work in a different way than they've traditionally done it. So you got to have the culture, you got to have the practices. I think there's a whole bunch of other things surrounding that, that mm-hmm. kind of core, whether it's organizational structure or it's, you know, product model, it's waterfall, you know, waterfall versus agile delivery approaches. I think all of those things become really important factors as well, but, but I've always kind of focused on culture plus practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, and Rin's talked about um, the importance of, of culture and shared, shared values as well. Now, let's, uh, let's talk about wins, DevOps wins. Can you give us some, some examples of some of those? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, just some wins that I've, I've been involved in. You know, the first time we experimented with something in my last company, we, we were in a highly siloed structure. You basically had every team was its own function. And so you had a silo around every function. And to get any work done, you had to work across a whole bunch of functions. And most of them had, you know, work intake processes and you'd get in queues and months later working across 10 different teams, you'd finally get something done. Mm-hmm. And we decided we wanted to experiment with moving, you know, far more agility than we have in the past. And we, we kind of came up with this thing called flash builds. And, and these were largely infrastructure and operational teams. They weren't the traditional development teams that would follow development like agile development did practices. You, did you say flash dogs flash build yeah oh, okay and <laughs> and the the concept of flash build is especially when we were in the style of structures you bring all the skills together that you need to get something done and they're probably rep- in this case are represented by half a dozen or so different teams and you need to get something delivered and built and, and done. And so you bring them, we actually brought them together under a flash build and, and, and this was kind of under our DevOps movement, but this is where you see this, there's a lot of blending with DevOps and Agile. Mm-hmm. We actually did some pretty accelerated scrum practices where we essentially put people through over the course of a day, they would do two sprints literally with, you know, full retrospectives from planning, et cetera but you rapidly built something out to prove its worth. And by the end of the day or the end of two days, depending on the format of that particular flash build, you would have your outcome or your result that you could, you could react to and get feedback and learn from. And what was interesting is the very first time we did that, we pulled a team together and at the end of the first flash build, one of the engineers said we actually, he, he actually did the analysis of, you know, everyone's work intake queues. And if you did all that work sequentially, and he said, we just got done in one day what typically takes 16 weeks to get done. Wow. And yeah, and it was so successful that we, we started to build services around it. So we started doing flash builds uh, and facilitating flash builds for other teams or for cross-functional teams so they could start to get work done. That's really something uh, from 16 weeks to part of a day. I'd say that was a pretty big win. Can you can you top yeah. that though with another one? 
Yeah, so the next big experiment that I can think of is we we came up with a concept that we called 30-day challenges. And the the original idea of the flash build when we started to scale it out was to um, basically drive learning, right? So if you pull all these groups together and you're teaching them these DevOps practices and they're learning how to automate what they're doing and they're learning how to put instrumentation or measurements around it, that's great. You can get them kind of, you know, coached and co-mingled and pair programming and get them just working side by side with the experts so that they learn. The The reality is the flash builds just aren't long enough in duration to teach people all these new practices. Mm-hmm. One day, two day, we even got to a point where flash builds would go even over the course of a week. It, it just wasn't enough time to drive learning. We were getting to really good outcomes. They were delivering something, but the learning wasn't there. And that wasn't really fulfilling the broader vision of getting everyone to a point where they, you know, anyone who was a technologist or an engineer by title to the point where they actually could automate the, the work that they're doing. And so we we were coming on in where we had, we had basically had 30 days to get some pretty significant thing delivered before we were going into our critical season for, for the business, for the company I was working at. And a leader came to me and I had some pretty deep experts on my team that, that were really good technologists. And he said, can I get one or two year experts to really focus and get some of this stuff done for my team so that we can have this you know, successful critical season for our business. And, mm-hmm. I, uh, my response was, well, you know, why don't we, why don't we try something different? And we were, the idea was to expand on the flash build concept. That if you can, here's all the cross-functional teams we need to really be successful at this. Because again, we were still in this highly siloed structure. And so we need people from this team and this team and this team. There's like, you know, eight, 10 different teams. If you can get a engineer from each of those areas, and you can, if this is a high priority initiative and it's really important, can we get them dedicated for 30 days? And I will immerse my experts with these people and we will, we will get this thing accomplished quicker than, you know, it traditionally be done. Again, it would be many months and we'll teach them all the practices that they need to follow to do this so that they're self-sufficient and they can do it on their own over time. And and we like, well, let's call it a 30 day challenge. And so we did that. And over the course of 30 days, we, they got a ton of stuff done. They basically got the three key deliverables done that we were able to use to kind of monitor and run our business over our critical season and hugely successful. Again, that, like that's a multi month project in, in our traditional COVID silo waterfall model. And. From there, we actually use that as kind of a launching point to say, all right, this feels like it's sticking. People are actually learning in this 30-day challenge kind of construct. So let's do more of these. And I started pivoting my team to be more uh, coaches and, and start to work more with other teams to teach them these different technology practices. And we evolved into uh, uh, what we call our, a dojo and and this is something that more more team more companies have been starting to do across the industry now. But 
the idea with the dojo then is, is the teams come, or at least how how we we did the dojo. The experts, the, there's a team of kind of central experts that can coach and help people on different agile and DevOps and different engineering practices. And you bring the teams in for kind of a structured challenge. It was basically a variation of that 30-day challenge that I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. And you bring these teams in and they literally live in the dojo for five to six weeks. And they're just immersed in a very different work model where, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're doing different agile and DevOps practices. They're getting really comfortable. Well, they're kind of getting comfortable being uncomfortable because they're every day they're immersed in this kind of different environment and they, they're doing it long enough where you start to build some muscle memory around it. You start to actually, understand what it means to work in that different kind of environment. And we started to scale that. So we, we, you know, I think, you know, at our peak, we were probably doing 10, 10 challenges in parallel at a, a given time in the dojo. So think of 10, 10 product teams and learning in that kind of environment, uh, probably 80, 80 plus people in there are going to that kind of learning environment. Wow. That's, that's impressive on any scale um, in terms of wins. And it sounds like a lot of learning in the process as well with DevOps. What, what all did you learn during that process? Yeah, what have I learned about DevOps? I think, uh, I, you know, I think there are, I think there are three key ingredients to success with DevOps transformation. And I, I feel like through my experience, I've, I've done well at tackling a couple of these. I maybe haven't hit them all at the same time. So I'm excited to, to run at this again and see if I can hit them all at the same time. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the first one I would say is the, the people doing the work. So think about your individual contributors, your engineers, the people building software. They have, if they don't embrace this and believe that it's the right thing to do, you're only going to have limited success. And I actually think these ingredients apply with agile transformation, with DevOps transformation. It, it is hard for me to, to separate those concepts because they're so intertwined in my mind. Mm-hmm. Getting the people at the bottom to really embrace it and be passionate and believe and build that community that I was talking about. Right. I think you, I think you have to get the, you have to have strong support at the top. You've got to have, you know, your, your CIO, your CTO, your, your senior IT executives really championing and supporting this change. And I think really important as well is you've got to have a, you've got to have a strategy to help middle management figure out how to pivot and adapt and how their role changes and how they add value mm-hmm. in this new model. And I think if you miss on any three of those, it's really, really hard to drive a full transformation in my mind. I, th- I think you can be fully tops down, you can be fully bottoms up. I think I think it's really hard to get to full success with those. I think you'd need that mixed mode where you're kind of coming at it from both ends. But you gotta have a really good strategy to help middle management pivot as well. Right. Absolutely. Now let's uh shift gears and let's talk about um 
how these DevOps practices are compatible with different Agile teams or different things from Agile like Kanban or Scrum. Can you can you share those with us? Yeah, you know, Kanban is interesting because I think, you know, sometimes I hear it referred to as a DevOps uh, practice. Sometimes it's an Agile practice Sometimes it, or, or methodology. Sometimes it's considered a lean methodology. It's probably most associated with lean because it's been around the longest and Kanban kind of came about even, even pre-Agile IT. Um, I do think that what you tend to see is you know, DevOps is largely, you know, one example I've heard that I think makes a fair amount of sense is you know, Agile, De- DevOps is, in a sense, kind of expanding Agile to the rest of the IT value stream or IT value chain. Uh-huh. And it's it's not that Agile was never intended to go there. If you kind of read the manifesto and you look at what the original intent of it was, but how Agile was largely implemented in the industry was largely as, as a development methodology. So it was it was the teams doing the development. Uh, and sometimes it didn't even get to the QA or to the testing teams, but it was literally just the development teams. But then after development done, there was like this chasm between code developed to code running and production. And there's all these other technology functions, you know, deployment and operations and testing. And and in a sense, DevOps is largely just extending agile practices and principles to these other functions in IT. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think it's pretty compatible with agile teams. I think, and I think there's different patterns that companies are following to, apply these practices in terms of like their operating model. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think a growing pattern right now in my personal belief is probably the, the strongest pattern for most companies is to move to more of a, a product model where, where instead of having like a project based delivery model where most of your work is like waterfall projects and then you deliver it and you turn it over to an ops team or an operational team and they run it. You actually have teams that are accountable for both building and running their products. And I, I think that sets a powerful set of incentives for, for teams to not just worry about getting something shipped or delivered, but actually care about the long term of the thing that they're building. Um, so I, I think, I think you'll see a, a continually growing trend in teams moving to a product model, which starts to actually merge the traditional build and run functions, which is largely what DevOps is getting at, is how do you drive the most optimal collaboration between building and running technology. And yeah, so I think I think that's one pattern. I think you'll see other patterns that are more figuring out how to optimize how a different build and run or build an ops team can collaborate with each other most effectively. Even scaled agile with SAFE has you know, I would say the, the systems team concept in SAFE is largely getting at that. It's kind of a model to optimize how you have an ops team that's supporting different scrum teams. Mm-hmm. To me, that's very akin to DevOps, okay. um, and it's, there's a lot of similarities there. I think most DevOps teams tend to apply more Kanban than scrum practices, but I, I, I see people doing both. I do think the challenge with um, 
I think what's easy with, with Kanban is, you know, there's a correlation with DevOps and like continuous delivery, which is, you know, automate your delivery pipeline and try to build as much quality in as you can. And that way you can just flow. You can focus on flow and you can just keep pushing work in small chunks through a delivery pipeline and you can get to a point where you're delivering almost continuously. Kanban's really well optimized for that because you can take in work you know, web work in progress one unit at a time. Uh, so that what I think about Scrum, I, I think Scrum's a really effective framework or methodology as well. I think the challenge, especially when you have teams that are moving into more of that product model where they're building and running their product, mm-hmm. and, and I've led various teams where we've experimented with different approaches or models of Scrum to figure out the best way to optimize for this. Scrum's really good with planned work. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the work we're going to do this sprint. You know, here's the X, Y things we want to get done. We got to get it done. We've got, here's our time frame: one week, two weeks, and this is all the team should be working on. The challenge when you take in run work or your team now has accountability for ops as well is now you're taking in a bunch of unplanned work. Mm-hmm. And so now now you have things that you just can't plan for. You, I think the best you can do, and this is this is where we, where I was experimenting with my teams, is you you know that you have a, set, a certain amount of time every week or every sprint where you should just keep that time carved off to do that unplanned work and try to optimize how the team's structured for that. But it, it does make it a little bit challenging with, with Scrum as a, as a methodology or a framework to apply to teams if teams are in that full product model where they're actually doing the run work as well as the build work. And that's, like I said, that's one pattern for DevOps. I think, I think if teams have still have a separated ops and build function or run and build function, it's probably a little easier to apply Scrum to the build work and you could probably apply Kanban to the ops work. Mm-hmm. But, when, but when you've got the combined function, you've just got to be, you've got to be a lot more focused or deliberate about how you apply Scrum in that, in that model. So you had mentioned waterfall. Do you think waterfall teams and organizations would benefit from adopting DevOps? Water, waterfall is focused on, on localized optimization. So segment every function in your value chain or your value stream mm-hmm. and optimize the expertise of every function and that works sequentially across those things. And if you, and the, the idea there is if, because you're working with experts at each function, if you can optimize how you work across, you're going to drive more efficiency. The reality is, is you get you get caught up in the seams, the steps, be, the the hops between each of those functions is where you lose all of your your efficiency and your effectiveness, and, and that's why a lot of these waterfall projects, you know, are running long, they're over budget, they don't deliver what they thought they were going to deliver, and the whole siloed aspect of that is kind of the antithesis of DevOps. It's it's kind of the movement has spawned up to fight against those silos. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think it's really good to get waterfall teams to adopt DevOps because I think the reality is if they start experimenting with that, it will start to pull them away from waterfall. And I, and I think there's there's good use cases for waterfall. I think 
I think if you've got hardware implementation type projects where you're just focused on, you know, physical implementation of something in multiple locations or, you know, things of that nature where where you can actually segment it out and coordinate it in a waterfall-based approach, that might make sense. But I think when you're dealing with software, when you're dealing with configuration, when you're dealing with code, the ability to adapt and learn as you go and get feedback and get get the customer's perspective as you move along, that's that's where the real kind of value in Agile is. That's where a lot of the value in DevOps is. And you just, you know that you're, you know, you're taking small steps all the time, but you're constantly validating yourself to make sure you're heading in the right direction. And you know, in the end, you're going to, you're going to deliver a more effective solution because you've course corrected all along that path. Waterfall doesn't let you do that. So I, th- I think where, where people are doing software projects that are more waterfall, I think when they start experimenting with DevOps, as they start to get small successes, it'll start to pull them more towards agile or more towards lean or different ways to, to deliver software. And so, yeah, I think it's great for people to experiment with that. Very cool. And Ross, with the time we've got left today, what do you think is the most important thing for people in the audience to know about DevOps? I think, I think for people that have started to try to figure out what it is, they're, they're probably frustrated with all the mixed definitions and, and lack of, there's no manifesto and there's no clear definition in the industry of what DevOps is. I think to me, the most important thing is, you know, learn what the, the kind of principles are around it and, and, do your research to understand, you know, what what's important in terms of practices and culture and et cetera. But really think about you gotta you gotta think about how to apply it in your context. So your company, your culture, your challenges, your leadership, your organization, they every company is different and to me, and, and this is, you know, I think this applies to Agile as well. I think if you if you get the mindset and you understand what the values, beliefs, and principles are, it's really easy to pivot practices and techniques and approaches if you've got that foundation of the right mindset to meet what the needs are within your company. And I think if if you can focus on learning enough so that you start to get the kind of foundation and the mindset, you're fine. You don't have to worry about like what the specific exact definition of it is. Mm-hmm. Focus on mindset. Yeah, that's excellent. And I know that this is, this is just a great topic. And um, I'm sure that Ren's audience has appreciated hearing about it from you. And um, Ross, you've got your own podcast. Why don't you tell folks where they can tune in? Yeah, so my podcast is called goatcan.com or goatcan.do, so G-O-A-T-C-A-N.com. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, you can catch the podcast on, I think you can get it on um, iTunes and Stitcher, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've done, I don't know, 13, 14 episodes. We're probably doing about one every couple months now. I've 
I've been a little busy, so I've been holding this back a little bit, but we try to try to get one out every month or two. And there's some really good episodes on there with people that are doing some really impressive transformations. And if you're trying to learn about how to do this stuff in, in your own company, I think there's a lot to learn there. Well, I know that um, I appreciated having a chance to talk to you. I'm sorry that Ren was sick and Ren get well. And um, for those of you who would like to learn more, you can go to Ren's website, which is www.renmelberg.com. And be sure to join us next time for more of the Guardian podcast, hopefully with Ren Melberg.